COVID Action. Welcome to Covert Action Bulletin, the official radio program and podcast of Covert Action Magazine, where we've been exposing the covert action of the U.S. government and plutocrats worldwide since 1978. I'm Chris Garaffa. And I'm Rachel Hu. We're very happy to be with you on Covert Action Bulletin. The U.S. and Israel are quickly escalating the conflict in the Middle East. On December 31st, the Navy sank three Yemeni boats in the Red Sea. Ten Yemenis were killed in this attack. The boats were part of the Yemeni Armed Forces grouping that has been preventing the passage of Israeli ships or those heading to Israeli ports through the Red Sea. While the Yemeni Armed Forces have been largely successful in this mission, they have not caused any casualties on the ships that they are redirecting, making this provocation by the U.S. even more egregious. And also in Lebanon on January 2nd, the IDF attacked Beirut, killing the deputy head of Hamas's political bureau, Salah al-Arori. In response, Hamas has suspended its negotiations with Israel. This follows the Christmas Day killing of Commander Reza Musavi of the Iranian Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps in Damascus, Syria. So to put all of this into context and make sense of the quickly shuffling landscape, we're happy to welcome Nicole Roussel to the show. Nicole is a producer at The Socialist Program. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. Happy to have you. I mean, I think I just want to get started here. Obviously, you know, January 2nd, that is today, the day of our recording. This is unfolding news and information for us about this attack in Beirut. I think there's a lot that comes with this. I'd love to get your thoughts on this, uh, especially the fact that this is such an escalation. I mean, this was Israel dropping bombs paid for by the United States on Lebanon, which is I think changing a lot of the factors of what's going on here, because prior to this moment, I know Hezbollah has been saying we're not necessarily going to get involved or they've been taking kind of an interesting stance, but there's no way that isn't going to change and potentially escalate this significantly. So I'd love to hear your take on what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I think you're exactly right. That's the number one word here is escalation. The war that Israel is already perpetrating against the Gazan people, we know that's happening. It's horrendous. It's disgusting. It's a genocide. And they have now somehow managed to escalate even further than that. They are now attacking uh, and bombing people who are not even in Gaza. Again, the war that's happening in Gaza is really is disgusting. It's genocidal. It's homicidal. Um, But this is a huge, huge escalation. Hezbollah has previously declared that any Israeli attacks on Beirut or on Lebanon would have big consequences. Um, Hezbollah is a, a very strong military. I mean, the fact that Israel hasn't even been winning in Gaza, you know, that they've had a lot of, of defeats. They've had a lot of hard issues that are going on in Gaza. You know, it's it's been difficult for Israel to um, to do what they're trying to do. And Hezbollah is not under siege, is not operating, you know, out of out of tunnels. Hezbollah is a, a very big, strong force. Um, they they came out today and said, we consider the assassination of Sheikh Salah al-Aruri and his martyred comrades in the heart of the southern suburbs of Beirut, as serious aggression against Lebanon, its people, security, sovereignty, and its resistance. It carries political and security messages with significant symbolic and strategic implications, representing a dangerous development in the war between the enemy and the axis of resistance. We in Hezbollah affirm that this crime will never pass without a response and punishment. Our resistance is steadfast, loyal to its principles and commitments with its hand on the trigger, and its fighters are at the highest levels of readiness. I think that Hezbollah has been not hesitant, but they've been, you know, restrained in not 
in not doing a lot and not pushing back and in, in trying to not escalate um, when the West is doing so much escalation. But their hands are tied here. Like this is, I mean, this is a huge, huge problem, a huge, huge escalation. And I think, you know, moreover, Hezbollah is standing with Palestine, is standing with the Palestinians led by Hamas. This is not only an escalation and a, a crossing over of the literal border into Lebanon. You know, it's so desperate. It's such a desperate attempt by Israel to to pretend that they're actually doing what they're trying to do, that they're actually they're actually winning. And they're they're actually really, you know, Israel's really struggling. Hezbollah has they are clearly weighing their responses very carefully. Yeah, overall, this is a, a horrendous, a horrendous thing, but also a, a really big escalation. And I, I do want to say one other, you know, when you see this news with everything that's been going on with the um, tens of thousands of Gazans who have been slaughtered, the children who have been killed, um, this horrendous war that's happening, an assault that's happening on, on Gaza. One concern I think of, of many people might be, well, if this is a senior leader of Hamas, like what's going to happen? You know, Hamas are the people essentially protecting the people of, of Gaza as best they can and, and fighting for the, the liberations of Gazans. But I, I think it's also good to keep in mind the Israeli uh, Zionist state has killed dozens of really senior Hamas leaders in recent decades. Hamas has done this before. And, you know, Israel has done this without really affecting Hamas's ability to fight. And in some cases, I think, you know, really made Hamas stronger, made the people under this deep, deep repression, even more strong and militant and convinced that they need to fight back um, and, and to protect their home. Certainly, Nicole. I mean, I want to jump in here just to say, you know, when I when I heard this news, I was definitely thinking about 2006 and thinking about kind of throwing back to the reality of, of the way that Israel has just trampled on this region with absolutely no regard for the people of Lebanon, no regard for the people of, of all the different elements of what's going on here. We're talking about Palestine, you know, the West Bank, Gaza, and and beyond those borders as well in Egypt and all the different ways that Israel has caused chaos in this region. I mean, there's really no other way to describe it other than complete chaos that is inherently not only genocidal, but this expansionist principles that have always been there for Israel are in direct opposition to what everybody in the region want and need. And so I, I'm thinking about that immediately because Hezbollah's response, I mean, they, they're they're making a, a response that's an informed response, whatever it is, whatever it might be. They are coming from a place of knowing what can happen when you don't, when you allow this kind of behavior, because I mean, thousands of people in Lebanon were killed in 2006. This isn't the first time. It isn't going to be the last time. And in many ways, the the kind of public perception around the world is so much uh, uh, against Israel. I mean, it's it's very clear that Israel's losing the propaganda war. And every single day that gets clearer and clearer. I mean, I saw a video of 10,000 people in Texas and like some car caravan, which was wild to think about on like re- relatively recently uh, in terms of like New Year's time frame. So to me, I, I think it's like the 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 war of information is one that the people of Palestine are, are winning. And so, you know, imagining and factoring that into Hezbollah's decision making is also there, too. I mean, in 2006, that wasn't the case. And they still fought tooth and nail in the same way that they are, I think, honestly, going to have to take action now. But that means with escalation means everything that comes with that. And the U.S.'s role 
you know, I, I am curious to see if the U.S. decides to, to back down or back away with this new element. Like you said, with people in Gaza, you know, you're fighting against people who are completely under siege, who are literally in a in a prison. They're in a, a, an open air ghetto. I mean, that's the reality of, of what Gaza is. And so the kind of sophistication of their military, it's not going to match what Hezbollah can bring. So in a lot of ways, it's an escalation. And I do wonder if it will shift the tides of the war. But Chris, I want you to get on, on your response to on this. Yeah, absolutely. I think you both made really, really significant points. A lot of the same things that I'm thinking here as we get this news, and it is coming in extremely quickly um, as we are speaking even. And just now, Hezbollah has put out a number of statements. I've been reading through them, and they're quoting a very interesting passage from the Quran uh, that says, permission to fight has been granted to those who are being fought because they were wronged. And that is such a significant thing for Hezbollah to be putting that out. And it has been in you know some of their statements, but they're putting it out multiple times today in a number of their statements. And I think that says something about what we can expect. And when you have people who are living under siege, yes, they have every right uh, to, to, to respond, to react, to resist, in fact. And this has been a critical moment for the solidarity movement in the U.S., but also the anti-war movement. Uh, ever since October 7th, where we look at October 7th, where we look at everything that has happened since. And we have to say, you know, we stand with the resistance fighters. This isn't about a both sides the conflict because people are un- absolutely under siege, as Nicole said. And we'll talk more about this later, too. Tens of thousands killed. Untold numbers have been injured uh, in Palestine. And those are physical injuries as well as, you know, emotional and psychological injuries, which is starting to be talked about more and things that people are going to have to live with for the rest of their lives. If the U.S. continues to step up the way it's stepping up this ladder of escalation, if it continues to target ships, if it continues to bomb uh, Yemeni targets, if it continues to bomb Iranian or Iraqi targets, or it gets directly involved with Lebanon, I don't see any other outcome of this than an all-out uprising, first of all, against the U.S. and Israel and some of their client and partner states in the Middle East, but also you know, here in the U.S., there has to be that partner solidarity movement that has to say, yes, we stand with the resistance fighters. We stand with the resistance movements. We have to remember the Palestinian resistance is not just Hamas. There's many other groups. There's Palestinian Islamic Jihad, which explicitly says that after the liberation of Palestine, they won't exist as an organization, right? There's the PFLP, the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine. There's the DFLP, the Democratic Front for the Liberation of Palestine. And there's a number of other groups in the resistance. And of course, they work with Hezbollah uh, as a Leban- group based out of Lebanon. Really, t- to me, it's extremely it's a lot, there's a lot of hubris in the way the U.S. is is approaching this right now, and they're going to light this this powder keg, and they're well on their way to doing that. I don't think they understand the ramifications that are going to happen um, if they continue these assassinations and these bombings, and of course the direct support to Israel. But Nicole, what are you thinking about that? I want to read something that an Israeli government spokesperson told MSNBC, Mark Regev. He said, "Whoever did this." course, not not taking responsibility, not taking responsibility for this. Whoever did this, it's not an attack on the Lebanese state. It's not an attack on the Hezbollah. And then they call it terrorist organization, despite the fact that they were literally elected. Whoever did this, it's an attack. It's an attack on Hamas. That's very clear. And it just make them sound so scared. They're just so scared. 
like I think this very clearly well I wonder if this if if uh, Netanyahu and um, Israel is so desperate for any kind of visual win that they did this very 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 risky very dumb escalation without actually thinking of the further consequences or maybe just not caring about the further consequences maybe that's the real issue I mean they they clearly don't care about that and we've we've seen some changes with you know the U.S. sort of trying to tamp down a little bit here and there what Israel's doing and I think that's very clearly a direct consequence of the fact that so many people all over the world and especially people in the U.S. are standing out in the streets are you know not letting anyone forget what's happening not letting even the the news even the mainstream news you know hide all of the the genocide that's happening we have seen some movement but not what we need and and I think that's why it's so important that people are out and about and people are still out in the streets um, you know, clearly there are, you know, people in the State Department. Clearly there are people in upper realms of power. Some of the elites are are not not feeling like this is a good thing to be doing. Clearly there are splits that we're starting to see. And we've we've got to keep putting pressure on that, um, which is why the the big, extremely necessary national march on, on January 13th next Saturday is so vital for, you know, anybody and everyone to come to showing people that that we are still paying attention, that we are still enraged about this and that we're not going to stand is, you know, the only way to to force the U.S. policymakers to force Israel to stop what they're doing. Certainly. And, you know, one of the things, Nicole, as you're talking, I'm thinking about, about Netanyahu kind of making this big show uh, of what what's possible, you know, what, what they're capable of, this kind of feeling of, I don't even know what the, the word quite is, but but I feel like it in some ways is a distraction, especially for the Israeli public, which I think is an important thing to bring in here about the own internal conversations that are happening within Israel, especially as the hostages had come out and the narrative started getting very complicated, where many of the hostages are reporting, like our biggest fear was getting bombed by our own government. I mean, which was very real, like many of them who died were just killed by Israel. And so, you know, there's there's complexities and all that people are sharing, but that narrative is coming forward and it's coming forward strong in a way that the Israeli public, you know, the, the main justification that Netanyahu has been giving for why the war has to continue to the Israeli public is that, you know, we have to keep doing this because of the hostages. Don't forget the hostages. I mean, even even here in the U.S., it's the main line of propaganda. Like I was driving by a park the other day that had this like weird mega tower pictures of all of these hostages and I like couldn't even it's just very interesting to me that this is this is like the what, what they're putting forward. And yet they're they're bombing now they're they're moving to bomb people in Lebanon, I think, in some ways to, to get away from some of that own narrative, because if they keep bombing Gaza, which they're continuing to do and will continue to do, and people keep talking about that and paying attention to that, then it does deepen some of that contradiction within Israel where it's like, well, aren't you putting hostages at risk? And so it, it, you, we do have to question how much, you know, how much longer this can can continue within Israeli society. How much longer will they allow this? I mean, it's very possible that there won't ever be a stop because Israeli society doesn't care quite literally at all. But I do find that 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 widening gap kind of interesting to to learn about and to think about in this context of decisions that Netanyahu is making. But nonetheless, you know, Chris, I tend to feel also just in this other way as well, this move to come after Lebanon 
it, it, in some ways, perhaps Netanyahu is trying to also signal to the United States a desire for the U.S. to to stay involved, get involved, and perhaps escalate. By escalating, you know, they're they're also trying to test their relationship with the United States. And it is very possible that if we keep pushing, you know, this national action, I think after the events of, of what we've seen happen, you know, on the second on today when we're recording, I can't help but feel that this this action on the 13th is going to become even more vital even more important because as we move towards regional potential major regional war and conflict the US has to feel that it cannot under any circumstance get involved and if it, if the US abandons Israel while they're escalating a conflict it means that the war has to end Israel does not have the ability on its own without the support of the United States to really carry out the kind of of military firepower that they're going to need in a long-term way to genuinely go to war with Lebanon. But, you know, Chris, this is kind of what I've been reflecting on. I'm curious what you think. I want to let people know if they want more information about that January 13th march that Nicole mentioned, you can go to march4gaza.org. That's march4gaza.org. That's going to be Saturday, January 13th, 1 o'clock at the National Mall uh, in Washington, D.C., and there are buses coming from all over the place. We saw that November 4th was a turning point because in the days before, and there were like well over 300,000 people in the streets on November 4th. Uh, I was there. It was an unbelievable experience. But we saw that in just in the day or two before, because so many people were calling for ceasefire now, There were rumors coming out of major media outlets that the Biden administration was going to have to start telling the Israeli government uh, to implement some kind of ceasefire. And what we actually got a few weeks later, of course, was this humanitarian pause that Israel is documented to have broken a number of times. But it shows the power of the movement. And so having, you know, masses and masses of people in the streets of D.C. once is one thing, but then having it repeat two months later and saying, we're not going away. And then also repeating this on New Year's Eve from Boston to Los Angeles to Albuquerque, all over the place, there were significant actions interrupting New Year's Eve celebrations and events. And I think this is exactly what we need here, because if we don't have it here, the government feels that it has the ability and the consent to do anything it wants, including to attack Lebanon, to attack Syria, to attack Iran. The only thing that changes things, and we know this, is movements. And of course, we're not going to be the ones in the U.S. for our primarily U.S. audience. We're not the ones who are in that resistance in Lebanon or in Palestine, but we are the, we still have a role, a significant role to play here, talking about how to build resistance in the United States. And it looks like these, you know, ceasefire resolutions that are getting passed in city after city. It looks like going to D.C. on January 13th and disrupting in your own city, mobilizing, whether it's 10 people or 10,000 or hundreds of thousands, mobilizing like that. We cannot overstate the danger that the U.S. is putting us in. And by us now, I mean the entire world putting us in right now because if the U.S. wanted to condemn, and this is what I want to hear, I want to get your your take on this, Nicole. If the U.S. disagreed with bombing Lebanon, for example, with the Israeli government bombing Lebanon or assassinating figures in Iran, then they could easily put out a statement, and they, it would be mealy-mouthed, and it would be very carefully worded, but they could easily put out a public statement. They have done no such thing as of this recording. They have not said, 
that might have been a bad idea in diplomatic language. And so we have to assume that there is consent and support from the U.S. government in all of this. They're just having Israel do it. And and that means that it's our responsibility to show the rest of the world and to show the the people in power in the United States that we don't agree, that we vehemently disagree. Um, I, I think that's, to your point, Chris, just a deeply important role that that we have to play as people in the United States. I, and I think you're right when we look at some of the other peripheral issues or, or related events that have been happening. Rachel mentioned in the introduction that the U.S. sunk three Yemeni vis- uh, vessels over the weekend, killing 10 people. And National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said about this, we're going to have to do what we have to do to protect shipping. He said the U.S. has, quote, significant national security interests in the region. And, quote, we're going going to have to put the kind of forces we need in the region to protect those interests. And we're going to act in self-defense going forward. That is not that is protecting Israel. That is protecting Israel's genocide. That is not protecting the people of Gaza. That is not you know, hemming and hawing or you're even splitting hairs a little bit on maybe John Kirby isn't sure. Like maybe the U.S. government thinks, we're, you know, we're not we're not we're not sure yet. We're not sure what our policy is going to be on on what happens in Lebanon. We're not we're not sure what's going to be what we're going to think about Yemen. No, they're they're the U.S. government at, at the current moment is clearly moving forward. Like, I don't know what it says that the U.S., the United States across the, the globe. Sunk three Yemeni ships in a dispute that the U.S. says is they're not a part of, right? They're not Israel. They're not Gaza. But also Yemen isn't Israel and isn't Gaza. Like all this says is escalation to me. That's all it says. And it says to me like that the U.S. is is deeply in this and is deeply part of this and is very clearly, as you say, Chris, in support of what's happening or in many cases, you know, directly a part of what's happening or encouraging what's happening. And I think, Rachel, you, you have brought up a really good point that the United States has long really wanted to defeat or at least fight or prove wrong a lot of this part of the world, including Iran in particular, right? The United States hates Iran for essentially imperialist reasons. But um, so I think you're, you have a really good point that that maybe this is part of it, right? That if uh, if Israel can essentially re rehook the U.S. back into this as the U.S. has been like backing away a little bit here and there, because people are so upset here, maybe Israel thinks they can, you know, rehook the United States with something that they want, which is, you know, defeating Iran, which they, I don't think the United States can do. The United States lost in, in Vietnam. The United, you know, like the United States hasn't won a war in, in decades. I, I don't think that's actually realistic. But I think as this empire declines, it's getting more and more desperate and is always raring for a fight, even if it's not a good idea. Definitely. I feel like especially thinking about the the return of the Taliban in Afghanistan, I mean, there's nothing that says the United States just lost and fell on its face more than the fact that they fought a, a, a war for 20 years with just casualties on casualties on casualties to have essentially nothing change at all. And in fact, I mean, if you think about what Hezbollah even is, uh, I mean, a major part of how Hezbollah came to power and the respect that they've earned with the Lebanese people has everything to do with the way that they fought Israel and the way that they won against Israel. And the fact that they are, they refuse 
in the face of the pressure of the United States or the face of Israel to give up. It only made them stronger. And I think that that's kind of been the situation and the case overall, because if you have a force of people that's willing to fight for their people, of course, people are going to stand with them and not to make any sort of connections here. But I, I do feel, you know, that's the same thing when Israel believes it's going to be able to defeat the resistance in Palestine. That's that's insane because people in Palestine have absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain. You cannot defeat a people, no matter how big your weapons are, no matter how big your bombs are, no matter what you think you can do. You cannot defeat a people that have nothing to lose and everything to gain. It's just not possible. So the U.S. meddling in the Middle East, I feel like we've learned that lesson time and time and time again, that people in their own countries, in their own communities are going to make decisions for themselves. And those decisions are going to make a lot more sense to them. Like when you think about even involving Syria in this, I mean, there's just a lot here where we've watched the United States time and time again attempt to, to curry favor in their direction. And it just doesn't work because people in this in this region and around the world, they see right through it. People know exactly what the U.S. is and what its purpose is. And after the invasion of Iraq, I, I'm certain that that is definitely the case as well. And I just want to say this too, Nicole, as we're talking, you know, I'm thinking about, I appreciate you bringing up the the ships because I, I think that the other element here that's really important is to really understand what Yemen is doing. I mean, talk about a people that have nothing to lose. I mean, Yemen's been in a war against Saudi Arabia being decimated. I mean, decimated for years. And they're the only country in the Middle East that said, we're going to step up and we're going to actually put our money where our mouth is. We're going to put ourselves, our military on the line to defend Palestine. And I think that that's honorable. And Palestinian people are, are, are full of that kind of gratitude for Yemen. And people around the world are looking at Yemen to stand up for justice in some way. So the U.S. bombing these ships, I think, in a lot of ways, it signifies something on so many levels so much deeper. But I also want to say, too, just the kind of strategic reality of this particular part of the sea that they're defending. I mean, this is the way into the Arabian Peninsula. Like this, like the fact that they're that Yemen is able to really actually keep the ships out. I mean, I think I read they had something like 80% success rate in terms of keeping out ships from trading with Israel. It shows that this is an economic crisis that's happening. There's no way around it. So I also do believe that the U.S.'s desire to escalate has everything to do with the fact that there's nothing that they can. They really do need to destroy those ships because there is no way around it. And, and capital will not cease for any reason. But I know we only have you for only a few more minutes here, Nicole. I want to hear your final thoughts on this and appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, I think those are, are really good points. I think the one thing I want to add to to what you were saying, I mean, this what Yemen is doing is effective. And if you this has been going on for um, for some time. So you probably if if you're listening to this and you haven't done this, get out a map, open up Google Maps, look at Look at the look at Yemen, look at the globe, look at the Red Sea and see what they're doing. Essentially, they're able to block cargo going into Israel. I mean, this is this is huge. It may, it means that ships have to go all the way around Africa and Africa is a big continent. Right. So that's actually extremely, extremely meaningful what they're doing. Um, and not only uh, are they being successful with how many ships they're preventing, but um, it's having a broader impact because Maersk, a huge uh, shipping, you know, multinational shipping corporation today said it was sh stopping all shipments through the Red Sea, quote, until further notice because they were they were hit at, in the end of December. And Yemen is essentially 
being very successful. And Maersk has said, well, like we're it's we're not risking our, our capital anymore. We're not risking this. But I think what you said, Rachel, is really important. And I just want to connect that back to John Kirby's statement. I want to read that again, because what what you and I are talking about with the three of us are, right now, we're talking about our people's lives. We're talking about Gazans under siege. We're talking about Yemenis under siege. We're talking about U.S. you know Americans who are standing up for and and doing their best to to push back against this bullying, disgusting United States government that's only out for capital. And here's what John Kirby says. We have significant national security interests in the region. And we're going to put the kind of forces we need in the region to protect those interests. We're going to protect shipping. Like he's talking about goods. He's talking about money. He's talking about capital. That's all he's talking about. He's talking about empire and power. And we're on we're on the right side of this. He you know, like I think people have, have posted on this, you know, about this on social media a good bit. But I think it's always worth saying, like, even if you can't come out on on the 13th, come out on the 13th, come out on the 13th, come out on the 13th. If you can't or even or if you can tell people about this, remind people what happened in Vietnam, remind people what happened in Iraq, remind people what happened in Afghanistan, remind people that, you know, regardless of your political orientation in terms of the U.S. Congress or, or any of that, remind people that. The U.S. government, the U.S. military is not on our side. They're not on the people's side. And I'm not talking about soldiers in particular. I'm talking about John Kirby. I'm talking about the people in power. They are on the side of of multinational capital, essentially. They are on the side of money. They're not on our side. Remind people of that. And I think the more we can talk about this with people in the grocery store and when you're out doing outreach, if you're out at events, if you're anywhere, right? I think the more we can talk about this, the more we can keep this in people's understanding, the better. And I think most importantly... Come out January 13th. See you there. All right. Well, we want to thank you so much. We know you are extremely busy. You've got the socialist program. You're helping prepare for January 13th and you do so much else, Nicole. So we really appreciate your time. Again, we have been joined so far by Nicole Roussel, producer with the socialist program. Thanks again, Nicole. Thanks so much for having me. It was great. We are going to have to leave it right there, though. So before we go, if you like what you heard today and you want to support independent journalism, please do go to patreon.com slash covert action magazine and become a patron. We can only do this show with the support of our listeners. So if you do want to hear more, be sure to go to the Patreon to support. You've been listening to Covert Action Bulletin with Chris Garaffa and Rachel Hu. Covert Action Bulletin is the official show of Covert Action Magazine and is brought to you by way of WBAI 99.5 FM Pacifica Radio in New York. If you like what you heard today, you can subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you can find podcasts by searching Covert Action Bulletin. We're all out of time for today. Thanks for listening. Covert Action 